from the Epistle of St. Paul to the Corinthians. I give thanks to God always for you, because of the grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him with all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony to Christ was confirmed among you, so that you were not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the Holy Gospel, according to St. Matthew, chapter 9, At that time, getting into a boat, Jesus crossed over the water and came to his own city. And behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on his bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he then said to the paralytic, Rise, take up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God, who had given such authority to men. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. On this 18th Sunday after Pentecost, the tabernacle candle in the church burns this week in loving memory of Miranda Brome. The candle in the Adoration Chapel burns this week in loving memory of Marjorie Ann Laville. The second collection this weekend is for religious education. This annual collection funds our parish school of religion's entire program, including textbooks and supplies. Additional envelopes may be found by the church entrances. St. Agnes has adopted two days in the 40 Days for Life campaign, Wednesday, October the 13th, and Saturday, October 30th. We invite you to come out and to pray in front of the Delta Clinic anytime between 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. on these two days. And you're certainly welcome to go on other days as well to join other groups of folks who are out there committed to praying. Uh, So the Culture of Life committees uh, will be there on those days, on those two days, the 13th and 30th of October, uh, to offer you assistance uh, if needed there at the clinic. Today is Priesthood Sunday, sponsored by the U.S. Council of Sarah International. Uh, There are a number of statistics included in the bulletin this weekend uh, about the number of priests and the number of Catholics uh, and various other things in the bulletin. Uh, Certainly an interesting uh, interesting view uh, to look at the numbers on paper uh, that we often hear about a a vocations shortage or a vocations crisis in so many places uh, to be able to see the numbers on paper here for the United States. This coming Wednesday, is uh, the September 29th uh, for the Novus Ordo Mass at 6 a.m. We'll offer the Feast of the Guardian Angels. Uh, not, not Guardian Angels, the Archangels. Guardian Angels is, uh, is a few days later. Uh, so we'll offer the Feast of the Archangels in the morning uh, and on the evening time, 5.30 p.m. Uh, this Wednesday, we'll offer Latin Mass uh, honoring the dedication of the Basilica of St. Michael, Michael Miss Day, celebrating the great intercession of that powerful archangel watching over us and crushing the head of the evil one. This Holy Mass is being offered for Kenneth Canazero.
introibo ad altare dei, ad em quilitificat juventute meam. I will go to the altar of God, to the God who gives joy to my youth. These words are placed upon the lips of the priest and the servers and in the hearts of all those who attend Holy Mass. Uh, every time we come here, every time we celebrate Holy Mass, with the exceptions of requiem masses or daily masses for the dead, every day, every time, these words are placed upon our lips. It's a reminder to us that in coming here, we encounter the one true God, and it's this God who fills our life with joy necessarily changes things within us. And the reality is that as we come and offer this Holy Mass, we come to this Holy of Holies. We come to this encounter with the good Lord at the altar of God. But we recognize also that in a little over an hour's time, it will end. And we'll return to our own homes. We'll go to, to wherever, uh, wherever we go from here, essentially. And so there's this emptiness that can happen, certainly a fullness, but the, the experience of joy that we feel here, we pray at least, at Holy Mass, has a short term. It will end. The readings of the Mass and the prayers of the Mass today invite us to look forward to that day when the encounter with the one true God will not end, but it will endure forever. The prayers and the invitation of the Mass for us today is to look forward and to usher in the Lord's coming and His glory, that promised day when all things will be revealed in Christ Jesus, that powerful day, that blessed day, and yet that fearsome day, the day of the coming of our Lord. In his commentary on the prayers and, and the proverbs of the Mass this weekend, Dom Prosper Garanger points out that this weekend there's a, a sort of transition in the liturgy that takes place. Until now, the intro, it, the, the first official prayer in the book of the, of, of the propers of the Mass, the intro, it has been to this point uh, from the Psalms. The psalmist, King David, very frequently being the one whom is referenced, being able to place the words of the Psalms upon our lips. But beginning today and moving forward, we speak elsewhere from the other parts of the Old Testament. And most frequently, it is the Psalms, not the Psalms, the prophets. It's the prophets to whom we speak. In our opening prayer today, the, the collect speaks of praying to God that the Lord might ratify the fidelity of the prophets, that he might prove himself as they have proven themselves. In short, that they might receive the fullness of their reward, eternal glory which we recognize that they possess in themselves and in their soul, but is to recognize that also, in the end, we will be raised up soul and body. It is this that we pray for, specifically for the prophets, that their fidelity to our Lord, many of whom experienced great sufferings or death, as our Lord points out frequently in the gospel, that they will experience the fullness of their reward for their faithfulness, resurrection, glory. The epistle today from St. Paul also emphasizes this fact of the return of our Lord, praying in gratitude for the grace of God that has been given to the community in Corinth, but also recognizing that they are desiring to persevere in that grace until the day of the coming of our Lord, the revealing of him, the apocalypse, the end. 
It is this that we seek, because it is this that is our ultimate end, to turn to him, to be with him. A couple of days ago, I made a brief trek to go visit someone up in New Roads, and I found once again that familiar sight that comes this time of year, as in many other places around our diocese, sugarcane trucks. They're out. They're on the roads, and you can see the harvest. Oftentimes, as they go along, a little piece of cane will fly out, and you'll see uh, a little stick here and there, a little piece of the cane that has fallen off the trucks. And it was a reminder to me, as, as we uh, were fulfilling perfectly the, the ember days, as it was an ember Friday, reflecting upon this fact that the harvest is abundant, that is taking truckloads and truckloads and truckloads and months and months and months to bring in the harvest of the earth. But the harvest for souls comes quite quickly. Like a lightning strike, the Lord will manifest himself in his glory here in this world, and it will be the end. And the harvest will be given. The angels will come and to choose us, to separate us, the righteous from the unrighteous, the sheep and the goats, the wheat from the chaff, those who are destined for eternal joy, and then those who are destined for eternal suffering. It is the time of the harvest. And as we get closer and closer to the end of the year, the liturgy also reminds us of these things. That one day, we will be harvested. Whether we are found to be wheat or chaff, worth keeping or good only for the fire, is up to us and our response to our Lord. This is the invitation that we hear in the gospel today in particular, to be freed from our sins and thus to be able to go home. When our Lord encounters the young man, this man who is sick, he speaks first, your sins are forgiven. It's the first thing he says. He doesn't give him a physical healing. He doesn't address the man in any sense whatsoever. Seeing the faith of his friends, seeing the face of those who are around him, he assures him, your sins are forgiven. This shows us something. Two things, in fact. First, that our Lord has authority on earth to forgive sins. Secondly, that sin of the soul is worse than the ailment of the body. He doesn't address the physical illness of the man until others start to accuse him of blasphemy because he looks at the fullness of the reality before him. It is not because we are sick in the end that God will condemn us, but rather if we are sick of our soul. If our soul is not well, it is this that costs us paradise. In the Novus Ordo Mass today, uh, the reading is that of it would be better for you to have, your, uh, to have a, a, a millstone tied around your neck and to be tossed into the sea than to scandalize one of these ones who are, who are young in their faith. And it would be better to cut off your right hand or cut, off or cut off your foot or to gouge out your eye than to sin. Our Lord uses these extreme examples as a reminder to us that it's better to have a sick body and a healthy soul than the opposite. It is to look to our soul. Very often we can forget these things. We can see our body in a mirror and recognize that maybe something needs to change. We can see the things that we do, the actions of our day, and maybe something that may need to change within us. We can look at our home and see that we need to do some things. 
But very often our soul, our soul which is invisible, it's not a thing that we see, can be lost, neglected, forgotten. But if we forget our soul, if we forget the fact of our need for God's grace and his mercy, it is the greatest sadness of all. The Lord comes and tells the man that he is free from his sin to remind us that it is sin that matters most, that we must be freed from it, separated from it. And only then is the man able to go to his home. And it says he does go to his home, but also it's for us to recognize that the man goes to the home, which is his in the end as well, his eternal home, the house of God, the dwelling place of the Lord. It is only by the freedom from his sins that one is able to get into this blessed home. So it is for us to turn to our Lord and his mercy, to recognize our sin, to repent of it, to confess it, to seek to root it out from our lives, to separate it from us in so many words, that we might be able to make place for grace. If our heart is full of sin, it does not make space for the good Lord. But is this also that must be prepared? It is not simply the forgiveness of sins that is key here. It is the forgiveness of sins, the casting of them away, that the grace of Christ might come in their place. Here, too, we rely upon the prayers of the Mass to enlighten us. The collect which puts upon our lips the reminder to us that without thy help, we cannot please thee. Without the help of God, we can't please God. We can't do anything that is good enough for him, that is worthy of him. We can't even prepare our own hearts. It is him in his grace that does these things. It is his mercy that prepares us. It is his mercy that frees us. And so we come. We receive the grace of the Lord. But then we must also sustain it, allow it to increase within us and to grow. It is much like the parable of the the Lord where he speaks of the men with the talents. The one who has five makes five. The one who has two makes two. But the one who has one, he's afraid. He doesn't make use of anything. He doesn't even put it in the bank so that it can naturally grow according to the interest of the day. He simply lets it remain as it was and doesn't do anything with it. And if we do not make use of the grace that is given to us by God, we will also be like that man from whom the talent was taken and given to someone else. And it's not enough for us simply to, you, to receive the mercy of God. We must also respond to his grace. To, in a sense, take up our own mats and to walk on our way. To pursue the Lord. To pursue that home that awaits. To pursue heavenly joy. As we offer this holy mass, we give thanks to God for the gifts that he has bestowed upon us. We turn to him and beg for his mercy, which is abundant. We entrust ourselves to his grace. We entrust ourselves to him that that grace might continue to remain within us. That we might be able to look forward to that day where we enter into the home that awaits us, that place our Lord has prepared.